0: to the Ask Chris and Kate podcast, providing answers to your burning tennis questions. Wherever you're going on your tennis journey,
1: we're here to help you get there. Hey everyone, welcome to the first episode of the Ask Chris and Kate podcast. My name's Chris and I'm Kate. Hope you guys are doing great today. We're excited to get this started. Yes, we are super pumped up to get answering some of those questions that uh, we received from some of uh, the people visiting our website. And today's episode, in our first episode, we're actually gonna share three questions from Mike that we are super pumped up to answer. And here is Mike's first question.
2: Um, first question is uh, your insights into Kate's career as a junior and, um, what um what you did what you felt you did right what what you felt you did wrong and just sort of in retrospect you know what you learned from the whole process and what's important what's not important
1: well I think that's a great question from Mike and uh not that we're experts or I think I'm an expert in this area but I'll definitely share what I think we've done well and also maybe some of the areas that maybe we could have improved on uh, as parents and yes I've been kind of the dual duties as I've helped coach Cade the last little bit here. Um, But the first thing, uh, the first big word I'm going to throw out there is perspective. And from day one, uh, when Cade got involved in this sport, we did not put a focus on winning or rankings or anything like that. Everything was all about the process. Uh, Don't worry about if you're number one or number 50 right now. It was more about focusing on enjoying the game having fun and getting better every day at it. Mm-hmm. But the most importantly was letting Kate have fun. Yeah. Um,
0: that's definitely super important. I feel like uh, if you're the parent and talking to the child like that, it's it feels really good to just kind of forget about all that stuff. And through all the junior years, I think that's kind of partly why I felt so good on court is because I'm never thinking about, oh my God, I got to defend points or you know, anything like that. So that's definitely something that's made me feel
1: good. Yeah. And uh, I mean, from day one, we knew Kate always said how much he loved tennis and wanted to keep getting as good as he could and be the, you know, play pro like all the kids starting out. And we made sure he knew that if that is a goal of yours, then you need to know that what happens right now doesn't really matter. And that's hard for when you're in the moment and you're losing matches, but it comes down who to how good can you be as a player in any sport when you're like 18 to 20-year-olds, mm-hmm. not when you're 14 or 12 or 11, okay? So that's kind of the other – the way we kind of helped Cade kind of see the bigger picture as mm-hmm. he was going through junior.
0: And, yeah, good point. I mean, when I was younger, I didn't really understand. But, like, you need to understand probably what your kid's thinking inside, like – they're like, whatever, mom or dad. Like <laughs> um, it's it's hard for them to understand, but if you kind of keep drilling it in, like eventually they will understand. And it took me a couple of years to kind of understand it's the journey and not just like a sp- specific moment in time.
1: Like yeah. it's all about the journey. And that's, I guess the, the finish up on the winning side is that we didn't put much uh, stress on the winning because if you can do that, it can be kind of not too enjoyable for parents. And for the child, and eventually I think that's what makes kids quit sport. Mm -hmm. Um, The other part that I think we did a good job as parents is you can get caught up in any sport uh, with your kids playing, but trying to keep up with the Joneses. And in tennis, I guess what I mean by that is you're going to see some kids going away to academies. You're going to see some kids training three and four hours every day and you can really get caught up into that uh, especially as you see the other kids and when your child maybe is playing them in matches and they're they're just getting their butts whipped basically because of time on court and training and but it's important to realize that you have to do what works for you and your family and based on what you have access to and the resources you have and all that stuff. So try to stay away from keeping up with the Joneses is one thing I would say when it comes to that. Um anything what as a player uh, Yeah, I mean I had
0: a lot of friends and people I knew from man, I had I knew people that were leaving at age twelve, um, 14, 16. Um, I was always thinking like, oh, is that something I should do? Should I be moving like to Vancouver or Toronto or wherever? But once again, you just kind of have to real. you got to kind of forget about that, kind of focus on yourself and not be worrying about everybody else. And if you are thinking about other people, then that's stressful and opens another kind of can of worms.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, that's kind of what we talked about too with, with Cade was the, um, you know it, there there's so many places to play tennis as you get older and, and just because you're not the best player or not the top five best players in your area doesn't mean later on in life you can still go on and play tennis so it's important to just do what works well for your family and the final piece that i think we did well um was Cade did play hockey until he was 13 14 years old and it would have been nice if he could have kept playing longer but we do think it's important to play multiple sports as long as you can uh he had to to kind of get out of that a little bit because we did decide to travel to Fredericton so he could do more tennis which took up an hour and a half drive each way uh so three hours whenever we were going there so that kind of eliminated extracurricular time for other sports but he stuck with badminton in school and he's played a bit of golf and you know in his days and But hockey was like full-time until he was 13 or 14 and made that choice. But I think multi-sports is great for kids because it helps them kind of get away from a sport, come back to it, get excited to play it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think it's important to try and stay in multi-sports as long as possible.
0: Yeah, and like like Chris said, as long as possible because I wanted to leave hockey earlier and Chris was kind of like, I should say my dad, I should say dad, (laughs) Um, was just like, no, keep going, keep going. You still love hockey. And then that was the thing. I loved hockey too, but I love tennis a little bit more. But I think that if you can play two or more sports as long as you can, I think you definitely should do it for the reasons that that, dad just said.
1: Yeah. And the final piece to that, too, is uh, we always let Cade drive the bus. And he made his own decisions. And, uh, for example, when he did go away to Halifax and he spent the year training there in Halifax, living away from home at one of the academies when he was 14 or 15. I can't Mm -hmm. remember what year it was. 14, I think. Grade 9, whatever whatever that was. And uh, he decided he wanted to come home. Um, and we didn't say, no, you got to stay and get the training and it's important. We let him say, okay, it's time to come home. And when he got home, actually his tennis flourished after a month or two of being home because he was actually happier. Mm -hmm. Um, he was just in a happier environment. So let the kids drive the bus. However, that might look for your situation. Uh, I think that's a big, big.
0: Yeah. There was one word that
1: he just said and it was happy. That Mm -hmm. is
0: like, so I can't like say how important that is. If you are not happy in anything you're doing in life, really, it's probably not going to end up very well. And since tennis is so important to me, if I'm not happy when I'm on the court or not happy with how things are going, it's probably not going to be a good thing. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. So great question. On to the next question.
2: Um, so that always been impressed with Cade's game. So I'm just, uh, curious about uh, his serve specifically and what, um, what you can say about that in terms of development and um, what are the key things, you know, you can teach a junior at U10, U12, what specific exercises um, and, you know, really what I can learn from it to help Easton. Um,
1: All right. Thanks again for that question, Mike. That is an, another excellent question. Um, as far as serve, I'd like to say that Cade learned it all from me and used me as an example to watch, but no, that is not the case. Um, I guess to, to, to start this, uh, answer to your question is the first thing that I would like to say is that Cade worked with a coach in Moncton, Pierre Hebert, Pierre Alexander Hebert, and Pierre is an excellent coach. Uh, but Pierre also has an amazing serve and uh, he helped Cade when he was in his U 14 kind of years and moving on into U 16 and he worked with Cade a lot on serve and that helped build an amazing foundation That's what I think anyway. So I'll I'll let Cade kind of talk a little bit about how Pierre worked with him on his serve. Yeah.
0: When I was younger, like my serve wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't very good. Mm. I'd get teased for my serve sometimes even. Mm. So having a coach like Pierre, like really kind of dig deep in like my serve foundation and kind of slowly building it up, um, was really helpful and kind of brought my game to the next
1: level. I I really believe. Mm. Yeah. So it was just, I think, great for Cade to see Pierre serve and what a really good serve looks like, Mm -hmm. how it should look going over the net, the ball flight, all that stuff. So that that was definitely helpful. And I
0: think even furthermore, it was helpful because Pierre as a junior was also in a very similar situation as me now. So seeing someone like Pierre... And being really good and having this monster of serve, I, I think I would I would look up to him and be like, okay, wow, like I can do this.
1: Yeah. And so that definitely helped Cade serve. The other part is because of our situation. So where we live in Quispamsis, there's no group training. We don't have indoor facilities here. So Cade has spent a lot of time going up to the courts here with a basket of balls. And just knowing that because he doesn't have those other things, he worked on a serve on his own. He'd take the basket up and continually work on serve. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I would be up there with him. Sometimes we would drop him off and he would just work on serve for an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely, I would say, helped mm-hmm. your serve. Um, the other part, as once I started kind of helping uh, on the coaching side, is we decided to work a lot on placement uh, spins, but also serving under pressure. So we would do a lot of drills where we would serve at targets. He'd have to get so many out of 10, or he'd have 20 balls and he'd have to get his kick serve, his slice serve, his flat serve through three different zones with those 20 balls. And if he didn't, then well, sorry about your luck, move on to the next one. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and even before that, when he was younger, he would serve sets out, uh, so he would serve like pretending there was a player on the other side and he would serve out a set and basically keep track of score, see uh, how well he would do. And then basically he would say, okay, now I only get one serve. So then it was always adding pressure mm-hmm. while he served out, uh, sets, uh, imaginary sets basically yeah. while on the court.
0: And we were never really working on technical things on the serve when I was younger, not because we didn't want to, but because we couldn't. I think it was because we really didn't know because um, we were just kind of on our own. And I think with those reps and the pressure and then the combination of my work with Pierre really kind of went all together and it became awesome.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I, I think the other part of the serve that's helped is we use video a lot out there because we don't talk about technique a lot or do a lot of technique work when we're on the court Uh, then that's not saying we don't do any but the video when you record yourself it allowed Cade to actually see himself and as I would not critique it I would basically say here you want to look at your serve and Cade has seen millions of serves whether it's watching Pierre watching Roger Federer watching all these pros serve now he sees himself looking at himself in video Uh, he can now kind of analyze and see the things that maybe, oh, maybe I don't like how I'm doing that. And then he can kind of decide how he wants to tweak it from there. So video I think is helpful as long as you as the parent do not get too critical of what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that was easy
0: for me to watch my own videos because I actually really like watching tennis in general. Like I... Enjoy imitating all the players' serves. So yeah. making changes to my serve, as far as like that way, I really enjoyed just because I I kind of like making new changes to my game as well. Just because normally it's for the better.
1: Yeah, and uh, to kind of wrap this question up, it's not something that we have decided to stop working on. It's definitely a focus continually. Like we're working on serve plus ones now, and always trying to make serve better. For Cade Because first touches are still so important uh, when playing a match. All right. Well, thanks again. We got one more question from you, Mike.
2: Final question is um, really around, you know, some of the players I've seen play live, you know, really gifted players uh, like Dan Evans, Nikolai Davidenko, uh, Iraqi labatsi Marcello Rios. These guys can really play tennis and they're, they're just naturally skilled, but they're not... athletically athletically gifted. They're very, you know, they don't have power strength or anything like that. So they, they've learned incredible skills. And I'm just wondering if you have any insight to, you know, developing these skills that sort of almost look like they're uh, inherited. They're just born with it. So I'm just curious about that.
1: Well, another great question, Mike. And uh, unfortunately I don't know the background to all those players that you just shared i know they are i know who they are and i know how great they are um but what might seem like inherited skills are probably not inherited they probably did work on those many many hours whatever their current their situation was as a kid growing up and even if i can touch on Cade's serve again as far as like when you see cade serve now it looks pretty solid pretty fluid but like cade touched on earlier um He had one of the worst serves, actually, when they were like U12. Like he could barely get the ball in the court or over the net. It was very, very hard for him to, you know, figure out. But then as he worked on it, it now looks like it was something that was almost inherited, but he did spend lots of time. Mm-hmm. We spent lots of time working on it, right? So And sorry to cut you off but yeah, that's alright. um I think that kinda
0: goes for anything. Like it doesn't just mean sir. Like it can mean fitness. Like if you got or backhands or whatever it is, like if you have a bad backhand when you're twelve, well, you got to work on it. And that's why maybe at the next level, people are like, Oh, Novak's backhand or whatever. Like when they were younger, it wasn't
1: like it is now. Like you slowly develop and try and make it better. Right. Yeah. As the rock says, there's no overnight successes. It's hours and hours of work. Um, I mean, one of the other things, I mean, if you watch Cade play, if I, I'm using Cade, cause he's the player I know the best. Uh, he, uh, he has pretty good hands for tennis here in Atlanta, Canada in the junior areas, as far as I mean, is like volleys and touch and stuff. But once again, because I didn't have a huge tennis background, you know, I was a hockey player coming into this tennis world. I didn't couldn't really do ground strokes training with him. So we did a lot of touch stuff, whether it was mini tennis, touch tennis, mini Wimbledon, volley wars. So that was a lot of our practice time was just doing those things because one, that's all I could do. So I thought I could help him this way. So that's, you know, once again, a lot of time spent on the court working on those things. Uh, so it definitely was not inherited. And the other piece Cade touched on was his fitness. Once again, we talk about how not having a lot of training where we live, we decided that Cade needs to really be almost like a fitness freak. Mm-hmm. So, he decided to get a gym membership when he was a little bit younger. He's now working with a strength and conditioning coach at Four Fitness Athletics. And I think that's been the biggest help in his game is that mm-hmm. he now looks like he he could go for hours on the court, but that's also because he spent hours of time in the gym working with these people. Mm-hmm. Um, so now fitness has become a weapon for him.
0: Yeah. And that's a good point. Weapon. Um yeah. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to have like a huge forehand, a huge serve to win points. Like if you think of Andy Murray, like he doesn't have a huge forehand or serve. In fact, he is superly really mentally tough and is is super fit. So those would maybe be his strengths. So, like my dad said, being somewhere where you don't have a ton of access to facilities, these are kind of the some of the, these are some of the things that we've really had to kind of like work on and make a weapon and kind of dial it into my game.
1: Yeah. So Cade's weapons might be maybe serve, touch, and fitness. Yeah. Right. So, um, and, and back to this going all the way to your first question, Mike, is I guess we're really trying to work with the resources we have and the type of player that Cade is. And I'd say that's what you would need to do with Easton is like really focus on the resources, what you guys have access to, what kind of player he feels like he wants to be what his assets are currently and really try to enhance those to make him be the best he can, but also make sure that he still loves tennis and has the passion Mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. I would agree with everything you just said. Um,
0: Back to kind of the player he wants to be. Um, One thing that I struggled with when I was a little younger, I wanted to, it was either I want to be like Roger or I want to be like Rafa. Like everyone is a little bit, everyone's different and unique and you can't really copy one person you have little bits and pieces you can maybe add in from certain players that you like but you're going to be unique and amazing in your own ways
1: that's right so that wraps it up uh thank you mike for the great questions we look forward to hearing some other great questions for our next episode and until then uh we will see you guys on the court thank you guys happy new year